Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark and today I am joined by author, speaker, and entrepreneur Ryan Berman. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey man, how you doing? Great to have you. I'm great. Good. I, I know the show is called Ditching Hourly. I'm looking forward to, to ditching this week. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's a tell, tell that we're recording this on a Friday, but we're so close to the weekend. I'm ready. TGIF, exactly. Cool. Okay. So, um, your, do you call a company Courageous Brands? Is that your company? Yeah, I call the, I call it Courageous. Uh, you know, I, if we want to get like on the record, uh, consultancy, like a special forces consultancy that helps companies figure out their special. Mm -hmm. I've found myself saying that the, the swifter answer is just change consultancy anywhere where change needs to happen. If you need to like, get out of your own way, get unstuck. We get brought in my little teams, these little rogue teams um, <laughs> to help basically companies get clear again, build belief, sometimes have really brutally hard but necessary conversations. You know, anywhere where courage is needed mm. is we're swooping in. Um, pretty fun gig, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds great, actually. So we were introduced by a, by a mutual friend, and I was immediately attracted to that word courageous because I find it coming up a lot in my work when I'm coaching folks and I'm, you know, you're saying, I'm giving them suggestions like, oh, you know, given the situation, I would advise that you do this, that, or the other, you know, it could be change a headline on your website. It could be start a podcast. It could be uh, start streaming on YouTube. It depends on the situation, but it's, there's usually some sort of uh, tactic that I'll recommend based on our overall objectives and strategy. And it, it's, it's not always, but a lot of times I'll get a surprising amount of pushback based on what appears to be a fear reaction. And the, the reason I like the word courageous is because, you know, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's different than brave. Brave is like lack of fear. And I don't think that's a reasonable goal for people to have. I think a more reasonable goal is to be courageous, which is to act in the face of fear. So it's like, fine, feel the fear, but do the thing anyway. So when I, you know, when I saw that that was like your, your word, I was, I was like, we have to talk. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 it I have, I mean, obviously I feel very strongly about the word and, um, and I'm glad you went where you went. Like, yeah, we we're like, we're really interesting creatures, aren't we? Like mm -hmm. we, I think we're tired a lot. We don't like change. It's like, oh, it took me all this time to get to where I am now. And like our, you know, for those of you, I'm sure there's like a big part of your audience. that's like very skeptical of marketers and marketing, <laughs> but yeah. like, our, right. Like our, our mantra is your future is safe with change. And that's great. Yeah. You know, safe is unsafe basically. And like, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to like put in the extra time. So even when you're like, Hey, change a headline, here's why pushback shows up. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't, if you don't do it, you're kind of a sitting duck. And um, as you perfectly mentioned, I had a very, I had a very visceral negative reaction actually to the dictionary definition of courage when I first saw it. Mm -hmm. This was back, well, I'm sure this wasn't the first time I saw it, but the first time I really studied it was in 2016. And the definition was the ability to do something that frightens one. I'm like, who wants to do that? Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm out on doing that and <laughs> let alone do that at work. 
like who wants to do frightening things at, at work? Um, but the more I kind of picked and probed, I was like, I wonder if I could actually come up with a better definition, like a utilitarian definition of courage. And so for six months, the audience is going to learn a lot about me. You know, I see myself as a compensated observationalist. Um, and so for six months, I just interviewed <laughs> all these people and like, you know, and like, and like tried to understand, could I come up with a better definition of courage? And you're right. There's this famous proverb that fear and courage are brothers. You, you don't get to courage if you don't address the fear, but most of us suppress it. Mm -hmm. So that's actually where my journey with uh, the word started was, all right, there's this weird, this relationship between the two. Um, so when I, can I, can I drop the, the definition we use for courage? Yeah, sure. All right, cool. So like we see it as sort of three levers. It's knowledge plus faith plus action equals courage. And you, you need all three for it to be a courageous act. So how often in your career or life have you, have you known the right thing to do with the knowledge piece? The data suggests it, your experience suggests it. You feel it's the right move. That's the faith piece. That might be experience as well. And then you do nothing about it. <laughs> you take no action, right? And so the irony is two of three in any direction is encouraged. Knowledge and faith without action is paralysis, right? You're stuck. Um, faith in action without knowledge is reckless. Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, how about we get a little data maybe, right? A little bit maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and then knowledge and action without faith. If you're just going through the motions and you're numb on the inside, you're, you know, I'm talking to you, person who's been at a company for 16 years and you're, you've stopped growing and you're just numb. Um, knowledge and action without faith is status quo, is safe. Yeah, no risk. And no risk. You know, there's no, that's not courageous. That's something else. Right. Well, let's talk about risk for a second, because uh, in my experience, a lot of the, when I, when I get pushed back on like, you know, change a headline on your homepage and people are like, I can't do that. And I'll say like, well, why not? And they'll say, well, uh, because my existing, they'll say something like my existing clients will wonder if I'm still oriented around serving them or whatever. And I'll say, do you really think your existing clients are go visiting your website? And they'll say no. And I'll say like, okay, what's the real problem? Like, well, I don't want to limit my uh, opportunities by getting more specific in my headline. And we just keep, you know, and just like every single one of them, you can just completely nuke, like every objection you completely nuke. And it really boils down to like fear of change. And, and, and what's weird about that to me is like, what do you think is going to happen? Like what, and there's no answer, right? It's just your lizard brain feeling like I don't want to stand out from the crowd because when there were saber tooth tigers, that would almost surely get me killed, but there are no saber tooth tigers and it's just a headline on your website and like where, you know, this fear it's, it, I guess the point I'm making is it's wild to me how your rational brain is almost like powerless to defeat this, this like old, old brain, lizard brain irrational fear do you see the same thing so just, how do you fight that not only do i see, like see the same thing i've i feel like i've stumbled into the aha moment and my sole goal of what success looks like today on the podcast you ready yeah hit me okay eh. i think i think the goal 
the light bulb moment is, let's say you've got 5,000 skeptical, heard everything, software engineers, smarter than 99% of the population listening right now. Arms are crossed, <laughs> right? Like, okay, dude. Okay, courage, dude. Like, convince me of something different. And and to your point, 90% of them, that the conversation you just shared is that conversation. They don't get it. Why do I have to change anything? I don't want to limit my opportunities. And I think the aha moment is, Call it what you want if you hate marketing, but your ability to tell your story and differentiate your story and design a life and a story that only attracts the actual people you want to spend your energy and time with is the sole focus of exceptional marketing. So when you're making the when you're making these requests, these these you're asking them to to get more specific with you know to get more clear that's if you don't you don't like marketing fine let's call it storytelling yeah. to, to me when we talk about courageous i'm also talk, telling the world who i'm not for right mm -hmm. yeah who's gonna who's not gonna call me all the people that are like just want to play it safe good i don't i don't want to spend any of my energy and time right on the planet working with people that do not want to address change. And I'm not saying change is easy. Change is not easy. Change is hard. But the hardships that come from not changing are far harder. And so, you know, to, I think maybe part of it is context, right? Like, hey, you're not the only one fighting me on this. Thousands of others are. By the way, that's your competition. How about <laughs> we continue to change as knowing that they're going to get left behind? Context is right. maybe the, the takeaway. Yeah, so I have so many thoughts to add to that. So like re resisting change ends in tragedy. It's a tra when I see someone just stuck and stuck and stuck or they come to me and they say, oh, I've had a whale client for 13 years. And I'm like, it's tragic. It ends up in this boil the frog type of scenario where it's too late to do anything about it. It's, it's, maybe it's never too late, but it's just so tragic that years have gone by in this paralysis, this fear-based paralysis of standing out from the crowd, being the one and only instead of just one of many. And it just like, it's not completely wasting that time, but it just kills me when people do that. So that's one thing. Another thing is that you, you, you actually said my business philosophy in a different way. Like my, my driving business philosophy is help people you like get what they want. And, and implied in that, I love that, you, that. you don't help people you don't like, and you can, you can, you can identify like however you want, but you were talking about spending your time. You know, you don't have, you don't want to spend your life spending time with people who don't really want to change or, you know, as triple linear would say, they're just dicking around or, you know, they it, like, you know, you find that small, small, small group of people who are ready to dance with the fear as Seth Godin says, and, and make change happen and make the world a better place. Those are your people. And if you're not like that, that's fine. Go just, you know, you can work with someone totally, else or don't totally. work with anyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there's 340 million people just in this country. I don't need to be best friends with all of them. <laughs> um, while I can't choose my family, tricky, tricky arena. Um, if I can, if I can put a, my little lion logo out into the world, I've got a little cat, cat signal, I call it, instead of the bat signal. <laughs> it should attract, it should attract the right type of people that are like-minded that share my values that believe 
that it's possible to change and that there's a willingness to change. I, by the way, I absolutely love the word willing. It, it might be my favorite word even more than courage mm. because willing means when you're open-minded, which is tough because we're, we're stubborn, skeptical creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when I'm going in with my little rogue teams at a high level and like the CEO, I'm like, like, here's all the reasons we shouldn't work together. Number one, the egos and the silos and the organizational hierarchy, we're never going to be able to make change because nobody, everybody thinks they know everything. You're not even open to learning. Mm-hmm. So I love people that are, are willing that are open-minded like i'm willing to tear this person out and then the other side of willing the double entendre of willing it's like once a decision has been made you're going to grit it out we're going to will it through we're going to make it happen uh and change is hard right so you kind of need to will it through to make something new happen you know where did all this come from for me a lot of just to, to be really clear i got to spend uh three years shutting up and having lunch with really interesting people. I, I called it my listening lap with the brave, the bullish and the brainiac mm-hmm. and got to sit with like astronauts and Navy SEALs and tornado chasers and then leaders at Google and Apple and Amazon and Harvard. Um, and then on the brainiac side, Cambridge PhDs, people that study the brain and, um, the, the reason I feel I can confidently teach companies to take action, you know, courageous action is because of that listening lap and all that ended up in my, in my book, um, shameless plug time, I guess, yeah. return on courage. Right. Um, and so like that, by the way, the, I'm still scared every day because the, my business is changing and I find myself in the coaching world now for the first time. Like that wasn't the plan. Mm-hmm. So I can feel my own fear and I'm not afraid of it. It's just a data point that's telling me I'm exactly where I should be. It doesn't mean I'm not scared. I'm like terrified still. Mm-hmm. I'm just trusting everything I've learned, right? That this is exactly the spot I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's a there's so many things to talk about here. I want to... There's a Seth Godin thing from Icarus Deception I want to make sure we get to. And there's also Stephen Pressfield's resistance. And the, the you know, you use the word terror. I mean, I get what you're saying, but it's not like a lion is chasing you. You know, it, it's like, I get what you mean, right? You're being humble and you're saying like, oh, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm taking risks. Uh, but they're not existential risks, I assume. I mean, you know, you're not on the battlefield, right? And so like no one listening is on the battlefield, most likely, maybe some exceptions, but, um, but that's not the kind of, that's not, not the kind of thing that I encounter with my students. Anyway, the thing I encounter with my students often is Stephen Pressfield's kind of fear of the resistance, which is procrastination and doubt and imposter syndrome. And, you know, who am I to do something like this? And this, 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 um, I don't want to say status quo again, but it, it's like this, you know, what got me here will get me to the next level kind of thinking like, oh, if I just do this harder, I'll have a bigger impact. And, and they end up stuck because they, they, they took a risk, maybe, you know, for a freelancer, it'd be something like they took a big risk quitting their job with like no notice. They just like 
take this job and shove it. I'm out of here. This boss is a jerk. I, you know, I, I was, you know, tying my shoes this morning, get, getting ready for work. And I just broke down in tears. I, I, I can't take it anymore. Quit. It's a very courageous act. It's, you know, scary. It's risky. It, it could be terrifying. I think it's an overuse of the word though. I think it's, I think, I think it, it's not fair to call it that, you know, I'm not the, you know, not to be <laughs> argumentative, but it's like they did the thing and then it worked. They're like, oh my God, I got a client. And, you know, for, for two years, they get clients, they get clients, they get clients and, you know, they get by. And then two years later, they're stuck again. And now they're trapped. Instead of being trapped at this employment job, they're trapped in their own job without a boss where they're super dependent on like one or two whale clients. And, and now they have a, a new need to take another risk. And for whatever reason, there's not enough pain pushing them out of it. You know, so they're doing okay. They're working for themselves and they're not being like harassed by their boss or whatever. So it's kind of like really easy to stay status quo. And they forget that they did take a big risk before and it worked out. And like the, the thing that they need to remember, I think is to like, okay, now take another one and get to the next place, make your life better. Like, you know, you said, work with people, you know, get really clear about who you don't want to work with, for example, and then update your story. If you don't want to call it your marketing, update your story on your website and say like, okay, uh, here's who I don't want to work with. And here's who I do want to work with. And here's what I want to do. And here's the value I should be able to provide to people like this and get more specific, more specific, more specific. And it's like, it's like people don't believe it, but it's like magic. They think, oh, if I make my focus smaller, then I'm going to have fewer leads. But the exact opposite happens. If you make, if you get more specific and make your focus smaller, your opportunities get bigger. It seems like a paradox, but it happens like every time. It, not every single time, but it happens all the time. Right. I totally agree with about 95% of that. Um, <laughs> Give me the and, 5%. And, and of course, right. Of course you want the 5%, right? But like, um, yeah, it makes the problem as you perfectly kind of state, you're showing and I'll tell it is that we're so focused on the fear versus focusing on the thing we're supposed to be focusing on, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Which is getting clear on the offering. Mm -hmm. So I will say this. I think that the example you gave of the free, the guy or girl who's like, I'm crying. This boss sucks. I'm out. Mm-hmm is a good metaphor to the last 500 days for all of us. And I think that that was a resilient mindset more than a courageous mindset. What I mean by that is it's like, whether you like it or not, like you don't get to decide if change is happening. Change is happening, full stop, right? Like fact, the world will continue the on. Flowing. <laughs> Right. It's flowing. It's happening. Yes. So you can even, you can write, or, you know, I'm in San Diego, better metaphor, mm -hmm. water metaphor, the waves, the waves are happening. The next wave is coming. You see it coming. Maybe it's the right wave for you. Maybe it isn't. You gotta, you gotta pick a wave. You can't ride the same wave. The next wave is coming. And, but if you're on a shitty wave with a boss, and you just tolerated them mm -hmm. and it's just pump. You're getting pummeled in the face by this wave of a boss, just like we've been pummeled in the face by a wave of a pandemic. Not a single one of us asked for it. We had to figure it out. 
This, this is an example of change driving us. That is an act of resilience. I, so you're saying it's reactive. Correct. Okay. It's, that's it's fair. reactive. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, courage is when you drive change. If resilience is change driving you and how you respond to that, it, courage is proactive. It is you driving that change, right? Change is happening. You drive it. It drives you. I'm not saying one is better than the other. You know what? Because you can make a case. You'll never, ever work for that asshole boss again. So change driving you, maybe not so bad. Um, I call it in the book a negative blessing. I've had negative blessings. I've been fired before. That chip, like I'm beyond grateful for it now. At the time, I was pissed. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, without without that moment, I might be stuck in that company still. I needed to, I needed something to short circuit me out of that life. And now I'm very conscious and deliberate on when I'm hitting the gas and I'm being proactive where I want to drive change, right? And get really, really specific. Um, now let me get back to the 5%. I know you probably have a lot on this. So here's the only part that I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe not. Like, Maybe it is terror. So we have made a massive mistake as human beings. Like we have not evolved that much. Um, the the way our body works, the central nervous system, you know this, but like it, it it's as if we're still cavemen and cave women. Mm-hmm. And so so when dopamine hits our body, um, it was a great system when we were cavemen and cave women, and tigers were really chasing us or bears. We're chasing us and the dopamine hit the right part of the body and it saved our lives. Like that, that exact same process happens when we're sitting in traffic now pissed or a boss bites our head off. Um, Nicholas Alp, Cambridge PhD. He was my brain Sherpa. He really dumbed down what was going on in the brain. And he, he describes our brains um, like a reverse onion and it's, that shit that happened to you in high school or that boss snapping your head off, it's still there. And we've come up with no strategies to manage our fear. So we just bury it. Uh, and we think just because technology is advanced that we've advanced. So great. My smartwatch can tell me how many beats per minute my heart's racing, but has no data whatsoever as to why my heart is trying to escape my chest. <laughs> right. That's, to me, that's the problem. And so I actually think until we consciously have to acknowledge that we're not dry or our bodies are not Teslas, we're, we're like, we're still like horses. <laughs> we're still in one horsepower, mm. right? And we have to come up with ways to short circuit ourselves to acknowledge our body is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Our central nervous system, right? It's right there at the core of you is a operating system designed for your nervousness. It's designed to keep you safe. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's telling you signals of where you're afraid, where you're nervous, but you don't have to listen to it all the time. You shouldn't listen. Hey, I acknowledge you, central nervous system. Nobody does this, by the way. Hey, I acknowledge you, central nervous system, and now I'm going to do something different. That's the work we need to do. I I love that. Like that. I think the the time we we chatted uh, a couple weeks ago and that, I never thought of like, I thought of central nervous system as like one term, but it's got the word nervous right in it. Like, I, just, right I, I, don't, I don't want people to miss it. It's like central nervous system. It, it's there to make you nervous. And I, I just absolutely never noticed that before. And I love it. 
at. And here's a here's a, a story that pops into my mind talking about that. And you're a speaker. I've I've done I've trod the boards plenty of, of times too. And the the that feeling that you get that people typically frame as stage fright and and I think it's a mistake to try and uh, stop stage fright. I think the the real move is to reframe it as excitement and that you're excited. And I don't even want to use the word anxious, but you're you're like you're you're getting into the zone and you're going to perform. Right. I mean, I've got a music performance background. It never the butterflies never go away. But I did stop thinking of them as like a real performer wouldn't have these butterflies. A real performer would go out there and just be confident at all times. And they would, you know, but I don't see, I just reframed it as like, this is how you're supposed to feel before performance. And that's what brings out. That's what makes that, that feeling without that feeling, the performance would be limp. It would just be, it would be nothing. You wouldn't be engaged. You wouldn't be, you know, you're, you're, it's almost like you're tripping. It's like your, your, your senses expand. It's, it's really, good it's good so if you reframe it as good and you don't reframe it as fear or like i'm terrible at this because i'm feeling this way it's like no your central nervous system is producing this uh sensation and it should but keep going you know it's you know if you frame i mean is that am i just totally off base it's not this is only based on my experience not like brain science but that's how i feel about it the joys of doing this as audio is I'm nodding my head. You know, you can't see the nodding, right? But so that's all it is. And I would even say, and again, this is the story guy in me. Instead of reframing, you have to short circuit yourself. And I, I don't know if you study any um, Jonah Berger, but he talks about, you know, negative emotion versus positive emotion and which sticks. So like short circuit yourself. I love the example you gave, right? It's not that you can be, you need, it, it's okay to be, have stage fright, but short circuit yourself and, and channel that and turn it into excitement. And what I've also, like the other thing that I've, I've learned when I take, you know, a stage is this is, this is the excitement comes not because I'm trying to trick myself and I'm not saying that's what you were saying. Mm -hmm. It's because I so believe in the cause. I so believe in the, in the, in my little rally cry and my why that if 95% of the population, the experts suggest are afraid, you know, they, they're the freezer flight people, right? 95% of the people of the world are the preservation people and only 5% of people are the liberation people, right? 95% are warriors, 5% are warriors and I can help you be a warrior and you already know that your competition is going to be stuck like, oh my God, I can wake up every day of my life and help people short circuit themselves. And, you know, like I talk about this a lot, like if I could help you develop a central courage system to combat <laughs> your central nervous system, I'm like, oh my, uh, tell me where to sign up. Yeah. I'm in every day. Yeah. Uh, so like to me, the, I am, I'm already excited now. And it's not like, because my cause my, my true purpose is clear. So we're back mm -hmm. to clarity, right? Yeah. So for Here's you, new person listening, like I think it comes back to like, oh shit, if I'm having this problem, I wonder if you felt this way, um, that a lot of people probably have this problem. What if I could provide the remedy? What a great place to be mm -hmm. when you can get there. 
So here's a nuance inside of that that I think is strongly related and maybe would be persuasive to the listener. Um, the difference in having so it, so I wonder I don't know if it's a chicken or egg thing. Maybe they're maybe they're just two sides of the same coin. But having a mission, right, and and being all in for the audience is something that for me dramatically increased my courage, if you want to put it like that. So showing it, it also, it, it reduces imposter syndrome. It reduces perfectionism, procrastination. It increases the degree to which I can show up every single day and have the energy to do that. And the discipline to do that is that it's not about, Hey, everybody, look at how cool and smart and awesome I am. Um, let me tell you how you can give me your money, which I think is, uh, is, is, it's almost like that pitch feeling when you go into a sales meeting, if you're going to pitch to the, to the buyer and you're trying to convince them to hire you, it's that there's something there that's the same mentality that keeps people trapped and actually more scared. And because you're, it's a self-centered or self-centric view of the universe. And if you switch that around to an other centric, you know, so like you're on a mission to help other people in this particular way, it makes all of that stuff so much easier, everything from having a sales interview with somebody to walking on stage and genuinely trying to help the audience and not worrying about if your hair is perfect or your flies down, or if you're going to forget one of your bullet points, that stuff will happen, but it doesn't matter because you're there to help the audience get to this, to see things in a new way, to turn a light bulb on, to help them transform into a better version of themselves. And it, it, you know, I don't know if that's where your central courage system comes from, but I have certainly observed in people who are real introverts in, in at least one sense of the word, the shy type of introvert, not the reticent type. There's two different kinds, but if you, if you're more of a shy person, I've observed many times people who are inherently shy, they would just be silent at a party for the entire time, but they get up on stage and they light up because it's not about them. It's not about social awkwardness or anything. It's about producing action in the audience. And that's all they're there for. And they use every trick in the book that they can, that they, that they are in possession of to like make that happen. And they turn into, you know, it's like they turn, they, it's like a metamorphosis almost. Anyways, I don't know. How does that, does that any of that tie into your central courage system? I mean, all, all, almost all of it, right? Because and it, where you started was, it isn't about me, right? I mean, look, I'm a, a classic storyteller 101. Like I went on my journey. I was different when I went in and I came out differently. And I, I liked the, the, the new me better than the old me. I like what I, I was clear on who I was and I had purpose. And yesterday I had to be up in LA and I spoke to like the most, <laughs> the sharks. I spoke to like sports agents and Jerry Maguire. So imagine like <laughs> me, I right? like Dating jumping yourself. into that room. Yeah. Right. Like, like, you know, arms were crossed, skeptical right. people were there Yeah. and it wasn't about me and it wasn't about my fear of like, how do I win over Right. Like mm -hmm. the last thing this group needs is the competitive advantage. They're <laughs> sharks. Right. Um, and, and you are, I already know because I've done the work that even if I went over one of them, right. Even if like, Hey, you, I actually remember saying near the beginning, Hey, nobody, like the last thing I thought as a kid, like when I grow up, I want to be a motivational speaker says nobody. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I, that wasn't the plan. I, but once I went and talked to all these amazing people, I'm like, maybe there's one thing I say today that really inspires you and makes you think just a little bit differently about how you take on tomorrow. That's a win. That is a victory. So it, to me, like, I think you almost have to, it, we're back to that, like surrender, trying to be for everybody. Know your cause. No, it's not going to land with everybody, nor should it. Right. But find your people. And when you put your ether out into the world, usually what happens is it's a mirror and the right people come back. Yeah. It, it, I've seen it so many times that it's like, it's hard to even try and describe the mechanics of it. It's like, just do it. You know, it's like, and then the, then the next question. Is like, yeah, yeah, but that, but that, that, that frustration was, you know, remember you were there once too, probably just like I was. Oh, 100%. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't know why I'm even thinking about this now, but like the crazy thing. So the, I, when I was fired in New York mm-hmm. by this executive creative director, I came out of advertising. So I came out of like the, the, the bonkers madmen people were my bosses. Like I was at a <laughs> 700 person agency, glory days, learned from some amazing people on how to tell stories. And in my seventh year at this company, new executive creative director comes in, fires me. I've ne- I never worked with him on a project. I wasn't making that much money. So it felt personal. Mm-hmm. Life goes on, life happens, I'm pissed. I realized later like, oh my God, thank goodness for that moment. I kid you not. About three years ago, the very same executive creative director reaches out to me and is like, I've been watching what you've been doing. It's amazing. Congratulations. Hey, I'm going to be in town. Can I pick your brain on something? And like, you can imagine, like, imagine me sitting here, like seeing this LinkedIn note, you know, no communication with this human (laughs) since the day you let me go. And like my first response is the brain doing what's supposed to do. I'm angry. I'm thrown back to that same little boy mm. stuck in a 29 year old body in New York city. And then I, it comes over me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is the universe is a funny, funny thing. <laughs> we, right. we end up meeting, we end up meeting and I kid you not, he was asking me about launching a product and it was so like, just do it. Like for my, my response was yours. Like, just do it. Like, I don't understand what's the holdup. And what I realized in the moment was for guys like you and me, because we've now gone to the mental gym and used that muscle a lot, then it doesn't make it easier all the time, but it certainly makes it easier than somebody who is in such paralysis. Yeah. They, they, they're stuck. And I'm like, it's so easy to us. Like you just have to like leap. And nobody can leap but the person, the actual person who has to leap. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is just amazing. This is how we all, how we got here on this story. <laughs> yeah, I know it doesn't work to just say, um, oh, you're nervous? Well, don't be. <laughs> it does, I know it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just, uh, but, but that's what it boils down to. I mean, like, you know, so that's why I have a coaching business because I wouldn't have a coaching business if the whole instruction was just don't be nervous. Just take the risk. Just recognize that the <laughs> risk is actually very small. You're risking almost nothing, you know, things like that. Uh, but yeah, I completely recognize that, that it needs to be a little bit more. You need to speak to the person in a way that's going to produce action. And that, that usually means getting to know the person a little bit and figuring out where the levers are, figuring out 
you know, and then which ones to pull or push and how hard. Yeah. And you know, you know this too, and I'm learning this because I'm new in coaching. It's, it's almost like, how do I serve up information in a way where they finally arrive at the destination? Like, I'm not going to convince you of anything. I may give you a piece of information that helps you convince yourself that it's finally time. And I think that's, that's about as far as we can go, right? We're such fickle creatures. Um, and even in, in the, the coaching side, in some ways, I know this sounds odd, but I'm actually trying to take the courage out of courage. Like I'm trying to make it so easy for you to start when you're in the process. Like, Hey, like you said, like, let's start with just you. Like, why are you wired the way you are? Like, do you really know your own personal core values? We spend all this time scrolling social media and other people. Have you done the work to scroll yourself? Um, I am an absolute <laughs> crazy person on understanding my own personal core values. Right. And like when you have them, it helps you decide like, oh, yes, this is why you and I work already. Right. You and I have not been best friends for a decade. But from the first time we spoke, it was so clear that like you're thinking about the world. I'm thinking about the world. Like we share a lot of the same values. And for some reason, if we didn't talk for five years and ended up at a conference, guess who we're going to have drinks with? Right. I know it already. I know you do too. Right. Yeah. It's like literally the second time we've talked ever. Right. And it's and, easy. And it's wild. Yeah. And I could list about a half a dozen other people who, who, you know, they're, they're guys like us, but and gals, but, but it means that they've been in the mental gym and they've made the flip. So, you know, I'll, it's just, it used to blow my mind more, it blows my mind less now, but it used to blow my mind when I would meet someone or someone would say, Oh you, yeah, I've been on your list for a while. And well, exactly what happened with us. I've been on your list for a while. And there's this other guy, have you heard of him? No, I never heard of him. So you guys should talk. Definitely. I'm positive. You guys should talk. You'll hit it off. And like, they were right. And it's happened to me like 10 times where someone who's kind of discovered this like thing, there's like this thing, there's like this thing and they just, <laughs> right. And they're like trying to figure yeah. out, they're like digging, like we're all digging at different spots, looking for the same treasure. And, and, but it's enough treasure for every, it's not like a thing to fight over. It's like, uh, it's another reason why I never feel like I haven't, Somebody, if somebody said to me, who are your competitors? I would say, I don't have any. It's like, yeah, we're all on the same team. Like all the people that are saying the same stuff I'm saying, and this is, you know, in a different way, you're saying in a different way, like Blair ends is saying, or Chris Doe or yeah. whoever, or Rochelle, you know, it's like all of that stuff. It's like, we're all scratching away at the surface of the same problem and trying to get the the treasure out to distribute it, you know? So there's something that do you feel this way? Do you feel, I feel like the treasure very simply is freedom. Oh, hell yeah. Right. Right. I mean, is, isn't that it? I mean, what yes. else could it possibly be? Right. I, or happiness, but really freedom brings happiness. Yeah. I mean, when, I mean, let's get woo woo, right. If that's what we're going to do. So like when I was little, <laughs> my friends and I, I had, I had, uh, one particular friend who was very close with, I met him in nursery school, we're still friends now and I'm like 52. So, um, we used to get into like really deep conversations. We were nerds and musicians and like really into like trippy stuff and, and you know, things like even in junior high, things like what's the meaning of life and blah, blah, blah. And even back then I would have said in my kind of, um, maybe in a naive 
language, I would have said the purpose of life is to have fun. Like that's the point. And, and, and as an adult, I would only change one word of that. And I would change fun to fulfillment because I, and I would have said fulfillment back then. Cause that is what I meant. I didn't mean partying and hedonistic kind of fun. I meant like be happy. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you're a stoic person. I'm sort of a, uh, on the sidelines watching that with interest, but, um, it's very much like control the thing that you can, tr can control and do stuff that's going to fulfill you, make you feel stronger and not do the stuff that drains you and makes you feel weaker, which is different than fear. Facing fear does not necessarily drain you. Um, so working with clients who you don't like or don't really want to help that drains you. So, you know, I feel like if the general purpose of life is like happiness, you, you call it different words. And I don't think any of them are perfect, but like happiness or fulfillment or uh, freedom or um, well-being is another one that I see thrown around. It's all like, you know, figure out what is going to make you feel fulfilled. That's my favorite one of the of the set and go after that. And if you detect fear along the way, use that as a compass to definitely go do that thing. Like yeah, that's, that's yeah, love thing. that. Love it. I love that. And the fact that you can have that much awareness to go, hey, there's the fear. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> this I'm I'm on the path, right? Because I don't know. That's what I don't have any I don't have any clarity on that part. Like how conscious are people really? Like what percent of us are robots? And I think if you're a listener of this podcast you're you're constantly okay auditing you know you're mm -hmm. probably more conscious than the general public i don't want to belittle the general public but i i mm -hmm. really am curious you know of where's that line like what percent are just kind of like we're all cats following a little shiny light versus trying to understand where the light came from in the first place and why am i a cat you know <laughs> i i i love deconstructing people and life and understanding why we do the things that we do. And I really liked your answers both on we do it to be fulfilled. Uh, and I'm definitely stealing that fear as a compass. It's a great, <laughs> great, great thought. I, I'm not sure if I invented that, so don't credit me with it, but uh, I, I I'll credit have... you all everywhere I go. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, but speaking of which it might be a Seth Godinism and it, it, um, and it reminds me of something I mentioned earlier. I didn't get back to that. That also ties into your like, you know, what percentage of the population is actively engaged in trying to understand their own core values and, and act in accordance with them, and then ultimately feel fulfilled and free and happy and all of those things. And and it reminds me of the, the first time I read this was in the Icarus Deception by Seth Godin. It was to me, it was like it was like a, a mic drop moment when he talked about. Um, there's two circles in the book and it, it's like comfort zone and safety zone. And, and in the first diagram, like it's like a Venn diagram and they're like completely overlapping. So like the, the comfort zone and the safety zone are like uh, on top of each other completely. And you know, the, the subtitle is something like in times of stasis. So like when, in times where things aren't changing that much, I don't know, maybe it's the fifties or whatever, if there ever was a time, if there was a time when things weren't changing that much, then a generation, you know, for, for 50 to hundred years, then a generation can grow up. And the, the safest thing to do is also the comfortable thing to do, get a job 
out of college, go to college, get a job, stay at the job for 30 years, retire and get a boat and sail off into the sunset. And like, that's the safe thing to do and the comfortable thing to do. If that time ever existed, I'm not sure, but it definitely doesn't exist now. Now is in my lifetime. This is, this is for sure the most crazy chaotic uh, amount of change that I've ever gone through. And I went, you know, I went through the Carter administration and, uh, you know, gas rationing and, you know, drills to like hide under your desk in case there was a nuclear bomb, you know, like when I was in elementary school, it's way more intense now, way more. And what that means for the two circles, the Venn diagram is that the comfort zone and the safety zone no longer touch at all. There's no overlap. So if you're doing something comfortable, you are being, you're, it's almost reckless. I suppose that's overstating it, but you're not doing the safe thing. The safe thing is to, to embrace change and do stuff that's not comfortable. And I don't mean push-ups in a Starbucks or like whatever that whole phase was. <laughs> but if you, if you are, if you have an objective or your mission or vision for the future and you're like, yes, that is the way that is the shining hill that we should all climb up. That is the goal that that would be a goal for at least my people, the people who I like, who I want to help them get what they want. It's like, that is a great goal. I don't know how we're going to get there and I'm not going to do it by yeah. myself. Yeah, go ahead. Let me give a, a little twist on it. Um, you know, I think when you're in the, when you're a writer, you know, the, the word words, words really matter. And I spend a lot of time looking at words and yeah, right. Are they the right words? Um, maybe this is a really good place to end too, by the way, but like only because it kind of puts a pin in everything we're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I, I don't love I, I struggled with embrace change. I think if you're listening to this show, if you've made it the 50 minutes that <laughs> felt like 15, right? then it's not about embracing change. It's about creating the change. Yeah. You know right? what? You're right. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's proactive, right? We're not, you know, I always talk about, um, I want to, I want to build and lead courage brands. Well, what's that? Right. You kind of get the idea of just by the name, but like, I always say courage brands and people can be brands, whether they like it or not, they are courage brands. They don't just embody change or embrace change. They create the change. That's like you said, point. it's, it's a proactive twist. Um, and I don't like the word, um, be bold, be bold. I like act bold. Um, because we forget the action part, like, like, like act bold. Don't just be bold. Like I'm, I'm bold right now. Are you like, how are you going to create the change for yourself to go find that treasure that we're all looking for? That might be for you. The treasure for you might be, please let me not work for a person that doesn't believe in the same things or is a shitty boss or please, I want to get paid what I believe I'm deserve. I deserve, or please let me have flexibility in my life. And the only way to, to go down that path is to nuance, keep moving, keep tinkering, keep experimenting, keep, you know, block out the shit that doesn't matter. And there's a lot of them, a lot of people that don't matter and keep pushing forward. Um, one of my favorite lines, I'm not, it's, 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 I'm, I'm curious if I should put this on my website. You'll know why in a minute is, um, Stop your bolt, stop your bullshit and start your bold shift. 
<laughs> Definitely put it on. Definitely. Right. It's, you know, like, is this really going to help me? I know it's true. I know it's true, but is it going to help me do what I need to do to help people? Um, <laughs> and I think we all, we kind of all need to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally on brand. And if it scares you, that means you should do it. Right. Fabulous. Yes. This flew by. We should wrap though. So uh, let, can you just take a minute and tell folks where they can find out more about what you're doing? Yeah. So again, it's Ryan Berman. Uh, easiest place to find me is ryanberman.com. Um, you know, if you like the this topic and were curious to take the courage out of courage, go to returnoncourage.com. I never thought I'd be a dude with a method, just what the world needed. Uh, it was another guy with a method, but coming out of talking to all these really smart people, um, the book kind of holds your hand and walks you through starting with yourself and your values, how to actually like make a courageous change, um, without being absolutely terrorized, terrified to use the word you brought up earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would say even RyanBerman.com or returnoncourage.com and find me on LinkedIn. If you like, if you liked what we talked about, I'd love, love to, you know, connect and hear your story. Awesome. Well, great. It's been a pleasure talking again. I look forward to doing it again in the future. Thanks for joining us. You got it, man. Happy weekend. Woo. Yeah, you too. <laughs> See you, Ryan. All right. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and you've been listening to Ditching Hourly. See you next time. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. -L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.